sorry to anybody listening to this sports show with their children that they weren't expecting to hear some of the things that Fiddy had to say last segment. We did get a 704 number text in. Sitting here listening with my 70-year-old twins, appreciate the sports talk there, except he, I don't I don't even want to say it. I don't want to be like yeah, the guy that was, that's a, that was a little much. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just do what, do the right thing. I, I love my guy. Do but the that right was a thing. Yeah, blame the guy who sat in here before you that I, I worked with for eight months. And well, we did have Big Cat Dan write in. Fitty going Nick Wilson there is priceless. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I guess, do. I do like to listen to replays of the show with my son. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you? So then you're gonna have to. Are you gonna fast forward through that? I mean, I won't so know time, when it's coming. So t- we'll, we'll we'll give you a timestamp. Now he's going to edit out some of the ads. <laughs> so timestamp probably going to be what, like twelve fifty three, something like that. Yeah. Just around twelve fifty. We're we're going to go back to the college football conversation. So maybe you just skip that segment altogether. <laughs> so we'll get back to some college football conversation. I do want to have the Lamelo Ball versus SGA debate. We'll also get to fire or fizzle at one forty five. And Sam Farber, the voice of the Charlotte Hornets. He'll be joining us to preview the homestand at 221. But you did mention the question we did not get to in the campus corner, and that is about Drake May's sensational freshman campaign, if you're to look at it in totality. Mm -hmm. Yes, the last month was not very good. But what we saw from Drake May before that, it was as good as a lot of other freshman uh, QBs in college football history. I mean, I went down the numbers. I think I might have cursed Drake May. And I'm sorry to Heels fans because I wanted to see him succeed as well. But when we were out at the auto show, I came up with this list of QBs that of the kind of hierarchy he was going to be a part of. And it was going to be top 10 worthy, not even just freshman quarterbacks, but we're talking best individual seasons we've seen from college football quarterbacks in the sports history. Drake May was putting up numbers that was going to rival that. It was quarterbacks that played in a Mike Leach system that he was going to be in the presence of. It was going to be Lincoln Riley system QBs that he was going to be in the presence of. And he was going to be something like third. Again, it all tailed off very much so. Even still, he finishes with over 5,000 yards of total offense. So I'll ask you this, Wes. Does that freshman year campaign for Drake May make him the greatest freshman we've seen in ACC history as far as what he accomplished his first year. If he could have put together even an average last month, I mean, his numbers would have been through the roof. But when you go look at the ACC rankings, you know, in total offense, he's fifth behind guys like Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, yards passing, he's fifth all time. And this is all time. This is not just freshman. Uh, Touchdown passes, he's tied for fifth uh, all time. And there are some esteemed names on these lists. But to answer your question, no, it's one of them. But it's hard to top Jameis Winston's freshman year. Yeah. When you're talking about a guy that went 40 touchdown passes, Heisman Trophy, national championship, okay? Then, also, you know I love him. I got to put my boy Trevor Lawrence in there as well because of the championship factor that he had, the playoff run he had, going 327, three tuds against Notre Dame, 347, three tuds against Bama. Just a degree of difficulty. Also had many uh, sensational games before those as well. But he's up there. I'd probably give him top five in terms of quarterbacks. But I'm I'm definitely going to go Jameis as the greatest uh, freshman season. Yeah, how in the world do you compete with Jameis and Trevor? Yeah. I mean, Drake May, you're right. If he would have... 
Even if he would have put together an average Drake May month, though, I don't think you compete with that. That's what I'm saying. His numbers would have been out of this world. And, and, and he would have been sensational. But so the way you get to that tier is if North Carolina doesn't completely fall off of a cliff as a team, too. Because this is a team that won, they were 9-1, and one, and then they finished 9-5. and five. To lose four straight games, I mean, that's awful. It's something that we haven't seen before. So the fact that you had unprecedented level of losing from a 9-win team in the last month of the season, that wipes away a lot of the good feelings that you had. And I was watching that game last night, and we had the feelings conversation about this team, right? What were we going to feel after this bowl game? And I thought, you know what? Some positives to take away, especially after the first half, right? North Carolina answered. Drake May was playing well. You know what? The defense was actually playing kind of well. Oh, I mean, you could not have asked for more yeah. from Carolina's defense if you're coming into that game. And like you said with Drake May, if he can hit on those averages, he had seven games with three or more touchdowns. He had five touchdown passes in three games and four in another game. And that's why it's just so head-scratching when he went through that stretch of three games with just Three total touchdowns. That that was the part that just baffled me about the whole year for him. All right, so last thing in Campus Corner, an extended version of it. We did see Duke beat UCF last night, too, or yesterday, I should say, 30-13 to 13 in the Military Bowl. So this is going to help your argument for Riley Leonard staying <laughs> atop the ACC rankings. We did have somebody text in, when are we going to get the final Final, final, official, final rankings from Wes Bryan, the ACC, the quarterback. Power I mean, what rankings. I need to change? Yeah, <laughs> at this point. So, so the win, <laughs> so the win solidifies it for Riley Leonard. Well, I mean, he comes out. You know, he's nineteen for twenty eight hundred seventy three yards, sixty three yards rushing. He had two scores. The Duke Blue Devils finished with nine wins. I mean, come on, that's the most wins they've had since twenty fourteen. But Riley Leonard was a a really good quarterback for them this year. To me, he was spectacular. We talked about it. Uh, before the game last yesterday, he's one of three quarterbacks nationally with 11-plus rushing and 20-plus passing scores on the year with Bo Nix and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He comes through, you know, Duke did have a couple of missteps down the stretch, but for the most part, Duke finished off the year strong. They came out and dominated Central Florida. A team that's been running around saying they don't get enough respect for the longest. Duke came in there and put the beats on them. And Riley Leonard was the catalyst for that. Not necessarily a super spectacular passing game. But, yeah, I don't need to change a doggone thing <laughs> about the power rank. Uh, TC thinks you do. In fact, he needs to think uh, – he thinks we should have a different conversation entirely as far as where this season ranks to other freshman quarterbacks, too. TC wrote in all those players, Trevor Lawrence, Jameis Winston – Played on better teams, they were not better quarterbacks oh, than Drake May. Well, no, you, I, look, but man. he chose to go there. Well, but the other thing too is, man, Jameis Winston was the number one overall pick. Okay, right? Trevor Lawrence, number one over. No, I'm, I'm with you. No, right. I'm, I'm agreeing right, right, with right. you, Wes. Okay. Right? Like yeah. that. That's my. <laughs> what you thought by my expression? I was getting ready. Well, to you do. were saying okay. It sounded like you were no, about no, to no, fight. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm listening. I'm just affirming. <laughs> no, no, but no, you're right. Like. That's really hard to beat. You're you're talking about incredibly decorated QBs in just a couple of years worth of time with Jameis winning a championship and winning a Heisman and being number one overall pick. Trevor Lawrence doing the same stuff minus the Heisman, but still being the number one overall pick and actually winning a championship, being as dominant as he was during his time with the Tigers. Drake May, I mean, I would I would figure I, I figure he could do that with some of those other programs, but the the fact that that's the bar. It makes it close to impossible to clear. You could tie it. 
you have to get more yards in a season probably, but I mean, you're talking about just a 1% chance of passing those types of seasons. So I think that's, that's the hard part for Drake may to clear that type of bar because the ACC they've had some incredible freshman QB suit up in the last decade. Let's transition to the Charlotte Hornets conversation. They oh, take, real quick before go ahead, we, sure. just, just before we move on, like I said, he does have a guy that, that's mocked right now to go in the first round. He was a first team, all ACC receiver in, uh, Josh Downs, and then Antoine Green was third team all ACC, so he wasn't throwing the slouches. Let's not act like he no. was playing at uh, Vanderbilt. No, the teams were more talented. With Florida State was ridiculous. No doubt about that. And, but, and Clemson, but, but you're but right. People trying to make the argument like, oh, he didn't have anybody. Like, come on now. It yeah, was, Flor- Florida oh, yeah. State, Kelvin Benjamin, Rashad Green, Devontae Nick Freeman. O'Leary. They were They were absolutely loaded. Yeah. All right, let's go to the Charlotte Hornets convo now. They're going right. to take on OKC tonight. And it's going to be the first of a four-game homestand. They have Oklahoma City. They'll have the Lakers on this homestand, too. Stick around, by the way. We're going to be giving out tickets to the Hornets and Lakers game. I believe on January 2nd is when that game will be taking place. So just listen. We'll give those tickets uh, later on in the show. But you have two star point guards with these teams. We already asked the question, who would you rather be a fan of right now, given the direction each of these franchises are headed? Are you so upset with the constant tanking that is Oklahoma City, despite them being in a pretty good position now with young talent? Or would you rather be a fan of Charlotte where it was a bad offseason, but you are in the play-in tournament the last couple of seasons? You still do have LaMelo Ball. We both agreed that it should be OKC. What about what player would you rather have? It's hard to argue against SGA right now, Wes, especially with their future outlook. He took a extremely large leap this season. Being in the MVP conversation, SGA looks to be the real deal. SGA is a dominant player. And so to help us and help the fans out there in radio, let's just lay out some superlatives for a couple of them before we make our final decisions. Now, LaMelo in this corner, we have him. He's the third player in NBA history to average 26 and 7 in his age 20 season. He's the fourth youngest NBA All-Star in history, and also him and Magic Johnson are the only two players in NBA history to average 17, six rebounds, six assists, and one and a half steals in their first 100 games. But when you get to SGA, it gets a little gaudy, okay? He's averaging 31 and a half a game. He's had 30, 30-point performances over his last 43 games played, okay? Then he's averaging 30 points, four rebounds, four assists, one steal, and one block. The only player to ever accomplish this stat line for an entire season is none other than Michael Jeffrey Jordan, okay? And not only that, you talk about a young kid that understands controlling the tempo of the game. He's made a league-leading 294 free throws and third in free throw attempts, and he has 90 clutch points. All right, so he's getting it done when you need to get it done. I think you you shocked Fitty. I want to know what your facial expression there was because this is often how I go to you because you make some crazy face (laughs) over some of the stuff we say, but what was that facial expression for? I knew he was good. Oh, no, it's ridiculous. I didn't know he was... That validates why you threw a temper tantrum on the Locked on Hornets podcast at Spectrum Center because this was a guy I watched in college Mm -hmm. and never once thought he was going to be special mm-hmm. in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And every night when I'm going through my Twitter feed and I and I follow various NBA accounts, he's on my timeline doing something utterly ridiculous that if he played in a bigger market would be in disco- he'd be in the same conversation as 
you know, Ja, Trey, those type of dudes. This guy's a walking bucket. Well, I mean, well, he, what's that was it that you like, 50? What was the one that made you make a face? Uh, his ability to get to the foul line as a smaller guard. No, no. So and, well, then, the, and, and, and then the clutch points. Well, he's a bigger guard. I mean, that that's something. How big that's, is he? Well, he leads he's all like guards six, and blocks shots. Seven. Yeah, he, he leads all guards and blocks shots per game. He I, if last time I checked, SGA currently has more blocks than Rudy Gobert this season. Stop. Just to give you, yeah, man. Just to give you a little bit of a taste of how it's going in Minnesota after giving up all of those yeah, first six, round six, picks. Six six one eighty is what they listed, man. If I had to choose, I'm going to be decisive right here. Just the two-way play, man, the way he's controlling the tempo, and he's not that much older than Melo. This is his fourth season, I believe, and this is Melo's third. This is Melo's third. Well, yeah. no, this is probably SGA's fifth. He's the same class he as Miles Bridges. He was drafted, they said, 2018. This is my, he's in the same year. He's the same class as Miles okay. Bridges. So, yeah, um, I would take SGA right now because, like I said, the oh. two-way play, controlling the tempo. I mean, he's you, he's looking like a dominant dominant player look in in this player battle because i just don't know really quick before you go i just don't know that Lamelo will get to kind of where he is defensively and just getting to the line like he does you have to bank on something unprecedented with Lamelo if you choose him over sga i mean what what he's doing right now is absolutely insane and and fitty's facial expression it's really why i went to him because it's exactly the craziest stat you go to he's shooting 10 free throw attempts per game and he's making 92.5%. Yeah. yeah. So the volume is up there with every player in the association. And his percentage is Reggie Miller, Steph Curry, Mark Price type stuff. I mean, it's actually better career-wise. Nine. You're telling me this guy is getting to the line 10 times per game and shooting 93%? It blows my mind. If you want to talk about more efficiency, the guy is shooting 50% from the field and 35. Somebody asked who SGA is. Shea Gilgis Alexander, <laughs> in case you don't know. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Now, look, this is the problem when we talk about him, right? Because the Hornets fans have gotten mad at me for a long time because I couldn't let go. And then Miles Bridges came along strong last year, and it helped mitigate the gap between those two. Well, now... It's a damn Grand Canyon between the two. I mean, there. What what Shea has done is play up to all NBA level, and we haven't seen Miles off the court reasons for that. But even on the court, he's not playing with what SGA's doing right now. Fringe All Star to top five player on any given night, and the Charlotte Hornets drafted him. You know that that still. I, I always kind of flip flop on the draft history for Mitch Kupchak. I usually defend him. And I don't think that Miles Bridges was a miss. Wasn't a miss at 11, 13, 12, or 12 overall after the trade, right? But the fact that you could have had SGA, that's a tough one. Because he was awesome immediately with the Clippers, and it's why the Thunder were so hell-bent on including SGA in that trade when Paul George wanted to team up with Kawhi Leonard. They're like, nah, man, we'll do it for all the picks. you got to have those two, but we're going to have to have Shea. And we know you're desperate. We especially know Balmer is desperate to try to bring the Clippers out of the basement that they've been in for so long. And having to get over that hump post-Chris Paul and post-Blake Griffin, you got to give us the young guy. And right now, he's playing at an all-time high. This isn't an indictment on LaMelo Ball. That guy is awesome. I expect huge things for him. But just the way... So you're in a great... You, oh, yeah. You take SGA. I don't think it's Fiddy, an argument. are you taking SGA? Wes, I don't think it's an argument, right? Yeah. I mean, what what is the side for LaMelo? And I love him. Yeah. I love him. I think he has all-NBA potential. I truly do. But I I can't even wrap my brain around. I mean, an efficient 30... Yeah. In 13 games out of his last 43, he has not scored 30. 
I always go to the line. I, I always go to the line John Gassaway had about the Zion R.J. Barrett Duke team that started hitting threes. They said when when that team started hitting threes, it was like when the Velociraptors learned how to open doors in Jurassic Park. SGA is being the Velociraptor that is learning how to open doors because now his three point percentage is going up again. It's at thirty five, and that's coming up from the low thirties. So what do you do to stop him? The answer is nothing. Not right now, and especially when you factor in some of the defensive prowess he has. All right, coming up, we still have fire or fizzle at 145, but we're going to discuss a little bit more about the running back situation. Deontay Foreman, how much should we consider him a future running back in this city? Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Carolina Panthers take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a fight for the division title this weekend. Fill in the blank. You can text in 704-570-9610, the Garage Door Guru text line. This is the most important regular season game since blank because it's been a while since we've played some real meaningful football here in Carolina towards the end of the season. I don't know about you guys, what you can reminisce on. I, I was kind of going back to 2018. So they finished seven and nine that year, but remember they started off six and two, and that season started to slip away something serious. I mean, you have Pittsburgh, that is the the turnaround of the season, right? So they start off six and two the first half of the year. They play against Pittsburgh, prime time. Cam Newton gets injured. Cam is never the same. And then they lose to Detroit on the road. They lose to Seattle, Tampa, Cleveland, New Orleans, Atlanta. They win against New Orleans the last game of the season. All of a sudden, they're 7-9. and nine. So even with that great of a start, I, I wonder what kind of game we could have gone to that year to try to salvage it. I mean, they only lost by one point to Detroit. You know, that would have allowed them to go 7-3 and three instead of 6-4. and four. The, the best game I could come up with is looking at what they did in 2019. So when we're talking about meaningful games, if you go back to 2019 and what they did, they were five and three. And then they had a game against the New Orleans Saints where Will Lutz hits a field goal at the very end and time expires and they win. And at that point, Carolina would have gone above 500, but instead they go below 500. And then the rest of the season kind of goes away from them. But Wes, it's been so long. Like this is the most important game we've had in quite some time in Carolina. Well, I'm not going to join the we, the tribalism, but however, it is the most important game in the Carolina Panthers. Carolina. Yeah, for quite some time, man. But they, they put themselves there with, with a solid second half of the season that's been spurred uh, by this running attack and just a new mentality on the team as a whole with Steve Wilkes coming in there being a no-nonsense uh, guy, and his approach has rubbed off uh, on this football team. What do you think, Fiddy? Like, going back, is there something else that you can point to and say, okay, that game was huge coming in? Because you can go back in hindsight and, and see what happened afterwards and kind of point out, all right, that was a pretty big turning point in the season. But in the moment, I mean, this is a team that if they beat Tampa Bay and then they win their last game, they could have one of the more incredible turnarounds of recent memory in the entire NFL. I mean, Detroit kind of going through that this year, too. But then Carolina and Detroit had the battle of most impressive turnaround and Carolina destroyed them. 
and now here they are with a chance against Tampa. I just think th- this game holds a, a huge, like a, a huge amount towards how we feel about a guy getting a permanent head coaching job, a per uh, maybe a quarterback you traded for getting a permanent starting spot next year. Like there's jobs on the line and there's a playoff spot on the line. I, I don't know what else measures up to this outside of some recent playoff appearances that I can't even give the recent tab to because you got to go all the way back to 2017. The last time they made it. Yeah. Now Panther Bo says since Fitty's mom first shaved his back in 2014, I don't think you're going to go that far back to find the most meaningful regular season game. It's probably that 2018 season that you were talking about. Let me add another pillar to what could be on the line in this game. Okay. Not only could this be the game that gets Steve Wilkes the job, solidifies Sam Darnold's future in Carolina, could this be the nail in the coffin for the GOAT? Like, like if you go into Tampa and you beat them, and then Carolina wins next week and they win the division, Brady misses the playoffs. When it's all said and done with all the stuff he's endured off the field, does does Tom look at it and say, Tampa, you know, I can't win here anymore. How many other places are going to want a, a then 46-year-old quarterback? Could this be the last time we see Tom Brady play a big-time game in the NFL? Absolutely not. We got Giselle out of the way, so now we're ready to go and keep playing some There's ball. your tribalism. Was it a we? I mean, yeah, we, we, we were part of we, the breakup? We got Couldn't Giselle it? up out of there, so now it's time to play some ball. <laughs> what did I mean, you get you, in the divorce? You hear, the, you hear the reports that, you know, New England, him coming back to New England is a possibility. Uh, you saw the rumor floating around that Mike Thomas even kind of validated uh, about Brady and um, Sean, Sean Payton. Payton going to New Orleans after the season. So I don't think... Brady's done by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it is a it is a ginormous game. Can we, can we get to the Deontay Foreman talk, please? Because we just keep, you know, we're not giving this man his just due. <laughs> yes, we can. Let's get there. Okay. <laughs> How about that? I was going to get there. We needed to yeah, get to yeah, the importance was, yeah, of this we game. Was on snail's pace. It's 125. We have until 140 <laughs> to get to Deontay Foreman. We'll get to him. What do you want to talk about with Deontay? No, you don't feel I'm like just he saying. Gets to do? No, he does not. He's been the sole reason for the Panthers' second half for the most part. If you wanted to cut up a pie, we talk about pies all the time. He's been the biggest slice as to why they are where they are. What about that offensive line that's paved the way for, for the sure, run all them holes? For sure. No doubt about it. And that's why they are also there as well. And that's why I also posed the question about the potential of this offensive line. But listen, you know, you talk about this is going to be a huge part of this football game. Tampa hasn't won a game where this, it has allowed more than 151 yards rushing. The Panthers are certainly capable of that. And their run defense that's ranked 20 if they're giving up four and a half a clip. So after what Panther, Panther fans saw on Saturday, they have to be excited about this. But, I mean, just check this out. Deontay Foreman, since he's taken over as the feature back, 774 yards, right? So he's been killing it there. 21.9% of his runs have come, uh, have been first down runs. That's better than Dalvin Cook and Jonathan Taylor. He's had seven runs of 20-plus yards, which is better than Travis Etienne and Austin Eckler. And his 4.6 yards per attempt is better than Fitty's boy Zeke, Derrick Henry, my guy, and Saquon Barkley. And, oh, yeah, he's only had one fumble. That's fewer than Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry. He's been playing lights out. Of course, this offensive line, me being an ex-offensive lineman, has had a ton to do with that. But I don't think Deontay Foreman's getting his just due because he's a journeyman back. He doesn't come with a lot of hype from college. He played on some mediocre Texas teams. So we don't look at him in the same light as some of the guys I even mentioned. If this was Dalvin Cook or 
Jonathan Taylor, or even though Travis Etienne's been balling, but if it was any of these premier backs having this type of second half of the season, there will probably be some MVP talk uh, consideration for these guys. So, uh, you know, I know for a lot who? of people. Deontay? I, yeah, I said if some if some of those backs were having this type of second half, there would be kind of some rumbling. Should they deserve to be in the conversation, even that or offensive player of the year? But his second half of the season has been spectacular. And he is, like I said, the biggest reason that this offense has been able to do what is done in the wins. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with that. In terms well, of, in, in terms who's of the been MVP more productive stuff? than him? You have a problem with the MVP. No, I said there'd be rumblings if any of the bigger name backs on this list. I think your stomach is just upset. No, I said if Dalvin Cook or Jonathan Taylor had this type of second half, I said there would be rumblings and their team was on the precipice of the playoffs is what I'm saying. I mean, my my thing is like in the Panthers wins, (laughs) has he been great? Absolutely. What happened against Pittsburgh? Non-factor. What happened against Baltimore? Non-factor. No, so this is what happens, right? Because then we want... When you say Deontay Foreman's not getting his just due, man, I I don't know about that. Like, for me... Who's talking about it? My Twitter timeline's talking about him quite a bit. Now, sometimes that can be an echo chamber. It depends on who you follow. But I follow a lot of Carolina Panthers, people that cover the team, fans, whatever. They understand, at least in my opinion, what Deontay Foreman means. Maybe we haven't talked about him as much as you would like, but I do know that Deontay has been an absolute stud behind what is a much improved offensive line. He is clearly the best running back on this team, and we've talked about what his contract will look like. I do feel like he's been getting a lot of attention as to why. Bill Barnwell wrote in ESPN, if you look at him discussing where Carolina has gone, he talked a little bit about how he's been good, not only with Carolina, but in Tennessee last year, and quote, he deserves to start somewhere in 2023. Yeah. Now, the problem is... What's because, that look like? And the bag is getting bigger with each week that goes by. So Deontay Foreman was the answer, and then he becomes the problem with how good he was playing. Because this is the exact argument with how we discuss running backs and their value. You trade Christian McCaffrey, the best player offensively this team had, right? We can say that. Yeah. You trade Christian McCaffrey, who was making a boatload of money, and you become one of the best rushing teams in all the NFL, whether it be advanced stats or traditional, and you're doing it with Deontay Foreman, a little dose of Chuba Hubbard and sometimes Blackshear as your pass catching back. And you're having just as much production as you could have asked for. Like if Chris McCaffrey was doing this, much to your point about Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, whatever star running back, we'd be praising him a lot, and you're right about that. But you're kind of doing it with Foreman, Chuba, and Blackshear, So when it comes time to pay Deontay, how much do you need to pay him now? Or does he just become the problem that he was the answer to previously? I mean, we're not going to pay him 14 like McCaffrey made, but do you want to pay him? I'm thinking like three years, 25 million max, like eight, like eight million a year. And you got three years of investment in him. Yeah. And then I'm sure there's an out after the first two especially with the way that contracts look. I often, I've said this a million times. I thought Austin Eckler had probably the best running back contract as far as what a team took care of because Eckler, I think was making something like six, 7 million a year. He's clearly one of the best running backs in all the NFL. And you didn't get paid that Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey type money. Can you keep Deontay for eight? I, that makes sense. You know, I'd, I'd probably do that, and he's probably earned it. The other thing about Deontay, too, and Wes, you would at, you would put this on the rundown. You can't make it too long-term because the style of play that he has, mm-hmm. it's damn physical. 
So he's not one of these guys that's going to be elusive. He's not even a pass-catching back. He's not very good at it. I I do like my running backs to be a three-down threat. If you're third and long, there are a lot of running backs that are better at passing catches. I I love what Deontay has done on first (laughs) and second. I mean, he's amazing. But, I mean, right? Like, if you're you're third and long and you need a running back to come out of the backfield and catch something for you, you're probably putting in Blackshear. But it's okay to have these three guys there. I, I think he gets his due. I think he's still very good, and I think he gets a lot to do. But you're right; like he is responsible for a large, a large part of their offensive production. Yeah, I mean, because we're talking about a guy that if he finishes the season strong, will have 1,000 yards rushing starting nine games. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty impressive. But I just think that, like I said, he's been the guy for them offensively. Like I said, the offensive line, of course, is the the lead dog in all of this. But when you talk about, like I said, just what he's done on the ground. Uh, and then you talk about him making the game easy on Sam, him making the, the the box, you know, a little bit heavier so that Sam can operate, making his reads a little bit more defined. So much of what he's done has played so well into what uh, the Panthers have been able to do during this streak where they've been chasing a playoff spot. Wes, I want you to put your offensive lineman helmet back on. We did no second take Tuesday this week. Okay. The Panthers, before trading McCaffrey, couldn't run the ball the way they've ran the ball the last – 10 games under Steve Wilkes, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think has changed since they got rid of McCaffrey, they went to Foreman? Do you think it's anything in the scheme that they're doing differently? Or do you think it's just a, 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 a more commitment to the run? Because this team is night and day with the, with, with the best offensive weapon maybe in the NFL and then this journeyman in the backfield in terms of their rushing numbers. Yeah, I think it's been a little bit of, of a mentality change and a philosophy change as far as just – Everybody complained about Matt Rule not sticking to the run and that hurting the team, putting the game in the hands of quarterbacks that weren't capable of it. So I think when you have Coach Wilkes coming there and he is a run-first guy, he wants to establish the line of scrimmage first and foremost. I think that's been a huge part of it. And then I think with an improved offensive line and just the mentality, linemen, we love to run the football. Like they said, it's time to ball. But for the linemen, we like when it's time to maul. We want to maul some people. Okay, So they have to enjoy that. And when you have a big back that's going to come through there and punish people, that makes you want to block even more when you know that you're going to really make the defense pay. Did I say passing catches? You did. That's what I was laughing at. Okay. You had one earlier too, but I I didn't I forgot what it was that you get the words mixed, but it was Am I just dyslexic? Do I just need to do <laughs> It I happens. To we talked for three hours, yeah. man. It's gonna happen. I did. Somebody wrote, yeah, it was Go Panthers guy, passing catches, laugh out loud. I was like, Yep, that has to be yeah, me. Man. To we, be fair, I never misspeak. No. 100%. Everything I say I mean to say. Absolutely. <laughs> what was the word that you missed when we were gone that Willie P made fun of you for? Uh I was trying to say oh, quintessential was... mm-hmm. and I kept saying sequential, which is no you nowhere even close to a word. But I was working with Will Palachik. When you're in the when you're with the with the Mizzou grad, your IQ goes way down. All right, we have a lot of text. <laughs> I, I do want to make sure we get to some of these text messages about Deontay Foreman and about how big this game is compared to some of the more recent examples. Steve Carolina Cat wrote in, give Foreman a contract with incentives, six million a year, another two to three million in incentives. Hey. Two years with a third-year team option. I mean, I think, I don't know, 
some of the contract language that would come about. That seems about right, though. I think that I mean, I think that contract is well within the neighborhood of what we're talking about. 704 number wrote in saying they've established an identity. Just probably having an established identity now under Steve Wilkes has helped Deontay Foreman and this running back room compared to what it was with McCaffrey because McCaffrey didn't have Steve Wilkes as the head coach, right? I mean, not really. We're talking about more so having him with the Matt rule. Did you have something to say? About I was that? just you know, if it's that, like how much, you know, it, is that a direct reflection of Steve Wilkes or do, does, does Ben McAdoo deserve more credit? Because I feel like whenever we talk about it, it's just Wilkes is like Wilkes came in and, 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 and created this identity. We don't want to give it to McAdoo, but like McAdoo, I thought in that Lions game, like he called himself out in the media and said, I got to do a better job. Mm-hmm. At, at, at giving them positions to be able to run the ball better. And they had their best running game in franchise history. So I feel like they go hand in hand. I think the marriage between Wilkes and McAdoo, maybe it's the sweat towel. I don't know what it is. They're just more <laughs> in line with one another when how they want the game to be called. Yeah, and I think McAdoo was probably getting too much criticism at the beginning of the season when we were all extremely angry about Baker Mayfield's performance. I, If you go back and watch the way he was performing, he was missing easy throws. And it's not like Ben McAdoo can make those. He could have, I have said it a million times, they could have called more play action to help Baker. And I think you've started to sprinkle that in a little bit more so. I think McAdoo has gotten better as the season has gone on. I do think that at the same time, probably got too much criticism at the beginning and once Steve Wilkes came about, there does seem to be a better marriage there, a better understanding, more on the same page, right? Because it just wasn't what, what Matt Rule was telling us in media availability didn't line up with what we were seeing the game, right? When it was either the game happening after or before, whenever Maybe he was, he was dyslexic too. Maybe he was dyslexic. Maybe he was out there saying passing catches. That's what he <laughs> was doing. All right, let's go to the second fitty flash of the day. What you got, man? Um. Thursday Night Football, the final edition of Thursday Night Football of the season features my Dallas Cowboys at the Tennessee Titans. No Malik Willis tonight at quarterback. They are going with a veteran backup, Josh Dobbs. Really no explanation as to why Malik Willis is not believed to be injured, but I guess with their playoff hopes on the line, they're going to trust a guy who's been around the NFL a lot longer than the aforementioned rookie Malik Willis. For the Cowboys, no Tony Pollard tonight. How do you see this game shaking out in an all-important game for Tennessee and their playoff hopes? Well, I mean, Tennessee is resting everyone, correct? And so I can't have all that much faith in Tennessee, especially when you're going up against a talented team like Dallas. This seems to be a real snooze fest. I, I don't expect Dallas to have one of these games like they did against Houston where they played with their food. I don't think that they're going to have that game against Tennessee tonight. Are you mad because you think I just jinxed them? Oh, no, that's def- that's my biggest worry coming right. off of that emotional win over Philly on, on Saturday. Uh huh. It would be so Mike McCarthy, Dallas Cowboys to be. come out and just lay a fat egg. Um, what do you expect from Thursday night football between the Titans and Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, the way Dallas struggled with the Texans and then they kind of you know, they kind of have a tendency to just be up and down. And when you think they should come out and crush a team, they don't necessarily do it. I think Tennessee will put up a little bit of a fight, but I think at the end of the day, Dallas will take care of business. It's the end of the year, and it's everybody's favorite segment. Fire or fizzle coming up next. The top sports storylines of 2022, some local-related, 
some nationally related. We'll get to all of that fire or fizzle coming up next. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. this song on the fire list. Fitty, this is your favorite one that you've heard so far? You were talking it up during the break. I don't know. Uh, when I, We came back with Killa. <laughs> uh, and, and and I don't know Nipsey Hussle like that. Uh-huh. That one's that one's pretty fire. Like, whenever he tragically passed away or, you know, got mm-hmm. murdered, I guess, a few years ago, I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. But, like, with that, like, you know, I saw a lot of his music on Twitter. And I was like, oh, this is, like, I could see why people liked him so much. And then when I saw him on Wes's music list, and I put it in. I was like, pretty good. You have a tattoo associated with Nipsey Hussle, correct? Yes. yes. What is it? I have a TMC flag. Uh, the marathon continues. I'm wearing marathon clothing today. I just got the my mar- mystery The marathon box. continues is what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the flag. Um, it's just like this one that's on my shirt. Yeah, right. But I identify with him. I started listening to Nipsey in like old Okay. When he was first appearing on games, mixtapes. And I heard him. And I was just like, man, who is this guy? Because he was so Cali. Like, everything he was rapping, he was hardcore. And I was like, who is this guy? Are you more a West Coast guy? No, but I love West Coast. I always have. I have a West Coast playlist on my Spotify. It's like 400-something songs. I love West Coast rap. But anyway, just with my career and the goals that I chased, I really identify with his whole marathon mantra because he was the guy that came up, got dropped from a label, you know, and was chasing the things that he ended up getting before his untimely death, but just the independence and him, you know, going after things and, and being an entrepreneur and just life being a marathon. I really identify with that. So, yeah. So the sweatsuit was fire yesterday. Got a lot of compliments on it. Thank the sweatshirt today. Is, is this, uh, <laughs> is this a, a, a present over the holiday weekend or is this no, something that you treated yourself? No, to? I, t- I treat myself. Like I said, yeah. you know, I didn't come up celebrating Christmas right, like that, right. but the, uh, the, the marathon stuff, I got a mystery box on black Friday. It took them forever to right. send to me, but I got a mystery box that had five, sweatshirts and five shirts in it that was pretty dope and then um the two sweatsuits we went to the athletes foot in winston because we hung out in winston like i said and when we walked in there you know he said the magic word is 50 percent off on all clothing so once he said that i was like all you need okay. is a deal that's it. Go. Yeah. But yeah, and, I got uh, two suits and then I got my girl one. So we, there you go. All right. Yeah. I didn't mean to waste too much time. I wanted to give you some compliments. But we'll now get to fire <laughs> well, or you. fizzle thank you, with the top sports storylines of 2022. <clears throat> we had a lot here in the city of Charlotte. Let's start with one. We were on the air breaking it as it happened. It was us two, Fitty, Willie P was in, and then it was like, oh, God, it's happening. Michael Scott was running around the office telling everybody what was going on. Matt Rule had indeed been the first coach fired in the NFL. And so we will go to our authority on fire or fizzle and ask you, Wes Bryant, is it fire or fizzle, the storyline about Matt Rule getting fired earlier this year? Well, let's see. Let's go back this year. Matt Rule, 11 and 27. Started the season 1 and 4. 1 and 27. <laughs> when allowing 17 or more points, including 25 losses in a row. So when the news came down that one Matt Rule was going to be ousted in the Queen City, Matt Rule's firing was straight. Fire! I love the drama. He was trash. Should have never got the job. 
Get him out of here. I don't think Panthers fans and Wes Bryant have ever been more closely aligned on something than what we just heard. It's probably the happiest you are ever going to make Panthers fans on this show. That's it. Let's get you Cut out of it. here. Put it on a Should promo. never got the job for $60 million. Man, please. It's the closest you will be with our listeners here, Wes, if they are Panthers fans. All right, let's move on to the next one. Another local story. Coach K being sent into retirement by UNC, not once only at Cameron Indoor to end his career with the loss at his loved, and he loves Cameron Indoor Stadium. Suffers an L his last game there, and then suffers an L to Carolina in the Final Four. Fire Fizzle West, what's that storyline? Well, when I think about Coach K, I think about the 12 Final Fours in four different decades. Five national championships in three different decades. I think about the hotel incident at Amelia Island when we sent him to the wrong coaches meeting. And he told us that was your first bleeping mistake with a smirk on his face. Great moment in my life to be cursed at by one Mike Shasef. Wow. But he did it playing because, you know, I don't play no games, Coach K. You're not going to be talking to me crazy. I would love, goodness gracious. Are you? Did we almost see a Wes Bryant-Coach K fight? Not at all. It was dope. <laughs> when he did it, you're like, whoa, like you're excited. Like you're like, oh, that was dope. So anyway, Coach K retiring. The legend was straight fire. He is an all-time legend, arguably the greatest, leaving the game. It was spectacular, even though he did leave on L. Biddy, would you have fought Wes or attempted to had he said that was fizzle? Because I imagine that's the greatest storyline that you've almost ever experienced outside of the <laughs> North Carolina championship. Yeah, no, I mean, like, the fact that this guy had the ego that cannot be matched, that, that announced <laughs> the summer before, I'm going on a retirement tour, and I want to be celebrated. And by God, did we celebrate by kicking that ass in Cameron <laughs> in the Final Four. Yes, in so many ways, putting that guy out of my life was just as good as winning a natty. I love it. Yeah, I bet so. Do you agree with the whole North Carolina curse? That football ended the way it did. The basketball season got off to the start it did. Do you agree that that is some kind of curse? And you'd still take that proposition if it indeed was a sacrifice. I would not trade anything in the world. Like, I, I would lose every football game for the rest of my life to send Coach K off and retire, into retirement. Not once, not twice. As right. for basketball... We're going to be okay. I imagine a lot of Heels fans would feel the same way that you do. Moving on to somewhat of a local story. Steph Curry won his first NBA Finals MVP and won a Finals for Golden State once again. And this is without Kevin Durant. And this is without the kind of dominance that we had seen from them in their first few championship runs. Steph Curry, awesome story, but you don't have to ask me. It's not my segment. We got to ask Wes if that story was fire or fizzle. Listen, Steph Curry, I could be my favorite player in the NBA. They said he couldn't do it. All the doubt that he had his whole life. And when I would get into arguments with people, it'd be, well, why doesn't he have a finals MVP? Well, guess what he did? He took his team to the finals. A lot of people thought Golden State was finished. You hear that passion? Mm -hmm. He went 31 points, six rebounds, five assists. Of his 66 field goals made, half of threes. The greatest shooter of all time. You know where this is going. I know where this is going. Steph Curry winning his first finals MVP was straight 
What do you think I'm going to say, Walker? I think it was gonna... straight fire. I'm cutting you off. It's Curry, the Queen City icon. It's the only time I like being interrupted is during fire. Respect it. I like it when you interrupt Fiddy a little bit more so. <laughs> I've never gotten played like that. Why am I catching strays? I uh, just felt like the right time to do so. Now, you didn't catch any strays when we talk about this next topic. Fiddy and I had our first argument over Serena Williams. Okay. And it got real heated. All right. Serena Williams retired this year. Yes. And Fiddy, I will say, we do love us some tennis. I mean, you probably love it a little bit more than I do, but I do get around absolutely for the major tournaments, and we had an awesome U.S. Open this year. But it's on the list. Serena Williams retiring. I remember being in a bar, watching Serena play her last match, and the whole bar was watching it, giving her a salute to some degree because she is, I think, the greatest women's tennis player of all time. And that's what led to an argument between me and Fiddy. Wes, is that story fire or fizzle? Listen, when we talk about the GOAT, which I agree with you wholeheartedly, Walt, 73 singles titles, 23 Grand Slam. And an unflattering picture coming out of Dollar General one day. But we're going to sweep that up under the rug. Because Serena is a queen that deserves to be honored as the greatest. Now, this story does come with a little bit of a caveat because she did say she might not be fully retired and she might come back. However, Serena Williams, the queen, the greatest of all time, one of the greatest athletes of all time, retiring is straight it's straight fire. She's the goat. Fiddy, you can go to hell. <laughs> yes. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Yes. Go to hell, Fiddy. Let's go. Why am I not only catching strays, but this being banished to hell? She's not the goat. There's no question. Yes. She wiping the floor with any of them legs. Put her in the they 80s. Can't she compete doesn't even with have her. 10 major titles. Oh, I mean, you bugging it. Natalova and all them can't even begin to it's compete glorious. with Serena. The rift is happening. Exactly what I predicted yeah, nah, at the beginning of the show. Please. It ended with Fiddy going to hell. It's amazing. The fight, the breakup, not only Giselle and <laughs> oh, Tom Brady, he's taking it. it's Fiddy and Wes Bryant. The relationship is done. If and I'm going to it. hell, y'all are going to hell with me. All right. The last one. Also, by the way, Willie P sent this next guy to hell. Okay. Yes, that's right. When he made a military comparison, Willie P sent Tom Brady to hell, okay. and it was a hilarious moment on these airwaves, too. The top storyline of 2022, among those listed, you have Tom Brady retiring, unretiring, and also signing a massive deal with Fox despite playing football again. Yeah. All of that encompassed. Is that fire or fizzle? Listen, when we talk about the Super Bowls, we talk about the comebacks, everything that embraces Tom Brady. My guy, the leadership, the camaraderie in the locker room, the quarterback I would most want to play for in football history besides my man, Corey Randolph. Wake Forest represent. However, Corey Randolph. Tom Brady. Wife getting on my nerves. Wife getting on my nerves. All that nagging. I want to play football, woman. Leave me alone. I'm I'm great at it. Mm. Tom Brady retiring, unretiring. It's straight. It's straight fire. And I got a huge bag over 300 million waiting on me when my career's over. Giselle, we get you up out of here and we're going to keep balling. And so Giselle, I mean, not even strays, just direct insults from one Wes Bryant wanting her to get out of the way for Tom Brady to come back and play some football. A rare all fire, no fizzle edition of Fire or Fizzle. And that will lead us into the final hour of Wes and Walker before we pass it on to the Kyle Bailey show. So what would a win for Sam Darnold?
Darnold mean on Sunday for Sam Darnold's future? We'll get to that in just a moment. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 